Excuse me. Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and again, I add my welcome to the others this morning. We're going to take a look this morning, start a new sermon series, and we're going to begin to take a look at one of Paul's letters, one of the letters in the New Testament. This is uh, one of Paul's earliest letters, one of the first letters that Paul wrote. It might be one of Paul's most passionate letters. It might be the most passionate letters. He's really angry when he writes this letter. And so that leads to some colorful phrasing. Um, He's really frustrated with what's going on with the Galatians and so on. Uh, It's also a letter, I think, that's going to have some really challenging, important, good issues for us to think about as we think about what makes us belong, what makes us into a family, how are we set free through Jesus Christ. And so the letter that we're going to look at is Paul's letter to the Galatians. And what I want to do this morning as we just begin this series is I want to look at two questions. First of all, I want to look at why did Paul write this letter? What was the situation? What had gone on in Galatia that made Paul so angry? What, what happened that made him so upset? So why did Paul write this letter? What's going on with that? And then the second question I want to look at is, what are the main themes? Okay, so we're just going to get through the first five verses this morning, but I think we'll get a chance to kind of see what are the main themes that are going on. It's related to the problems that are happening. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's start with that first part. Why did Paul write this letter? And in order to understand the, the writing of this letter, what's going on in this letter and at this time, um, we need to really recognize that there are kind of four characters, four people, four players in the letter to the Galatians. And if you can kind of keep these four straight, the rest of the summer will be a lot clearer, okay? And so we'll come back. I'll remind you of this, but there are kind of four uh, characters in Galatians, okay? So let's start off with a map, kind of get an idea of where we are talking about, what's going on, and so on. So this is the Mediterranean Sea you have there in the middle, the big blue part. Uh, Italy is over here to the left. You've got Greece there. Galatia is in this area right here, okay? It's on the, the, the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea on the northeast part there. It's where Galatia is, and just for reference, Jerusalem is down here, okay? So that's those four areas, kind of, um, but really we're going to focus on, we're going to bring this in and focus mostly on this part. We really don't need to worry about Greece and Italy. Just wanted to give you an idea of, of where everything was in relation to each other. First character we got to understand, first person we have to know about is the Apostle Paul. Okay, because Paul writes this letter. Paul is the one who brought the Galatians to Christ. And, and Paul, in this letter, tells us a lot about his life story. Okay? So we start way back at the beginning. Paul was born in a place called Tarsus. Okay? He was born in Tarsus, which is in Cilicia, just, just to the east of Galatia there. And, and so part of what's important about that is he was not born in Israel. Okay, he was not born into that area. Now, he was Jewish from a very strict, committed, passionate Jewish family. Paul was Jewish, but he didn't live in Israel. And so he lived and grew up uh, among the Gentiles. Now, again, if you don't know those terms and so on, Jewish people are those who are born into Judaism. They are people who are Jews by ethnic and religious commitment. Those are Jewish people. Everybody else is Gentiles. So I think most of us here are Gentiles, okay? But Paul was a Jewish person born among the Gentiles, but his family was very serious. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was gone to all the classes. He went to the temple when he was supposed to. He memorized the scriptures that he had to memorize. Paul did all of that. And when he reached the, the certain age of, of being ready to do it, he went down to Jerusalem to study. Paul was brilliant, had a great mind. So his parents recognized this. They sent him down to Jerusalem to study, and he studied with the best scholars of his day. He studied with, it would have been like going to Yale, 
right? Would have been going to like the, the most prestigious university. That's where Paul went. He went to Jerusalem and he studied with the best professors. He studied with the most brilliant people. And Paul was recognized there as well as an outstanding student. He was a great follower of God. He was brilliant. One of the things that I think is really interesting to think about, and, 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 and I, I can't guarantee this, there's no proof of it, but it makes a lot of sense to me, that it could well be that part of Paul's training is that he was trained to be a Jewish missionary. Right? I mean, he was from Tarsus, not from Israel, so he has already had that. He had Roman citizenship, and so he could travel wherever he wanted to. And so part of Paul's training was to say, we want to bring the, the news about Yahweh, about our God, into other areas. And so he was trained to be a Jewish missionary, which helped a great deal when he became a Christian missionary. Right? And so interesting that maybe God was already at that time setting things up so that Paul would be ready to do God's work. He was passionate. When Jesus Christ died and rose again, Paul saw Christians and he hated them. He persecuted the early church. He, he thought it was full of heretics. He thought it was full of horrible people, that they were perverting uh, God's truth. And, and so he was passionate about persecuting the early Christians. Uh, he was present at the, the, the killing, the martyrdom of Stephen, the first Christian follower of Jesus who was killed for his faith. Paul was there. Paul went to Damascus. He was on his way, rather, to Damascus in order to persecute Christians there. And that's when everything changed for Paul. That's when everything changed for Paul. He was on the road to Damascus. A bright light came, and Paul met Jesus. And he was just radically converted. His life was spun around. Everything was changed. He, he, he met Jesus Christ. Jesus talked to him. Jesus gave him a commission. Jesus called him to be a follower, called him to tell others about it. And, and, and that just absolutely changed Paul's life. Now, he came out of this event blind. He couldn't see. But he had the people who were with him take him up to Damascus. So he continued on his way. And again, in one of the great ironies of life, Paul ends up staying at the house of the very person he went to persecute. He went up there to try to ruin that person's life. God changed his life, and now he's staying with that person. And that person tells him about Jesus more and explains more of the gospel, and and Paul learns from him. Now, what happens next? For the next 17 years before Paul goes on a missionary journey, Paul is learning He's teaching, he's, he's preaching, he's talking about Jesus, but we really don't know a ton of what he did during this time. In Galatians, he's going to tell us a number of things, but, but he's doing this. And so just some of his travels, um, he went down to Arabia, he says. He stayed there for a short time, came back up to Damascus, stayed there for three years, went to Jerusalem, but, but in, in, it'll get important in a couple of weeks. Only stayed there 15 days. Only was with those other apostles for 15 days, okay? That's all I was there. And then he started working his way north. Again, probably stopped at Damascus again. Other cities there going that way. And, and then ended up up in Tarsus again. And, and so that leg of the journey is about 14 years. So we have three years in Damascus, 14 years in this other area. And, and Paul is there. He goes down to Antioch. There's a great group of Christians in Antioch. They're passionate about Jesus. They're filled with the Spirit. And, and what happens is, is, that, is that they say, Paul, we think God is calling you to be a missionary. We think God is calling you. And so they send Paul and some others, and Paul becomes really the first missionary to the Gentiles. He goes to the island of Cyprus, all right, goes there, tells people about Jesus, and then he makes it up to Galatia, okay? He comes into this area, and he talks to people. 
and he tells them about Jesus. Some of them were probably Jewish. Most of them were Gentiles. But he tells them about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and their hearts are changed, and their lives are flipped around. And they become followers of Jesus Christ, and they're passionate, and they're committed, and they're just loving Jesus. And Paul talks about miracles and all sorts of amazing things that are happening. Paul stays with them for a while, tells them how to live by the Spirit, does that stuff, and then he heads back probably to Antioch. We're not 100% sure, okay? So, Paul. We'll have more of him later. He's the one who's going to write the letter. That's the first character. Second one, fairly quickly here. Second group, second group of characters is the Galatian Christians. All right? Now, again, one of the things we need to know is the majority, the great majority, were Gentile by birth, not Jewish. Okay? They weren't born into it. They hadn't been raised doing all of those things that Jewish people did. So they were Gentiles. But I'll tell you, when the gospel came to them, it was alive. They were overjoyed by becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And they absolutely adored Paul. I mean, Paul was the one who told them about Jesus. In fact, in Galatians, we'll read it. Paul said, you would have plucked your eyes out for me. If I would have told you I needed your eyes, you would have taken your eyes out of your own head in order to give them to me. They absolutely loved Paul. So we have Paul. We have the Galatian Christians. The third group that's going to be important as we go through Galatians is what I want to call the Jerusalem church leaders or, again, the originals. Again, Jesus Christ died and rose again just outside of Jerusalem, all right? And, and, and so on Pentecost Sunday, we celebrated that a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit came down, Peter preached a sermon, and 3,000 people became Christians, and that was the first church of Jerusalem. That was the first church, right? And so that Jerusalem church is the mothership, is the mother church to every other church. We're like a great, 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 however many granddaughter, grand, you know, daughter church, right? This is the church where it all started. This is the church where where everybody else came out of. And and it started there, and it was led by the originals. It was led by some really big names. And these Jerusalem church leaders carried a lot of weight. They had a lot of respect. There was Peter, one of the apostles. I mean, he had been with Jesus through it all. If you read the Gospels, you read about Peter. Peter wrote two books that we have, two letters that we have in the New Testament. There was John, John the beloved disciple, We hear about him. He was the one whom Jesus loved. He was the one who was so close to Jesus. He's in Jerusalem. He's leading that church. Later on, he goes uh, a bit of a ways away, but he writes the Gospel of John. He writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. I mean, so he's a big name, all right? These are the superstars. These are the leaders. And then James, the brother of Jesus. Not just the disciple, but this one is James, the brother of Jesus. And these three were sort of the senior pastors at the church in Jerusalem. Again, now, all were Jewish. All had been raised in the Jewish customs. All had done those things. All had gone to the temple. All had done, they, they knew how to, what God wanted, what God expected for them. All were Jewish. All had been with Jesus from the beginning. James from the very beginning. And he grew up with Jesus. He was a brother. And they preached first to the Jewish people. They stayed in Jerusalem, Judea at first, and then later on went out to some other areas. So, we have Paul, we have the Galatian Christians, we have the Jerusalem church leaders, and then this is where it gets fun. Okay, this is where it starts to get interesting, because we've got another group of Christians down in Jerusalem, and I'm going to call them the, the final step group, okay? They are down living here in Jerusalem. They are from that area. 
And, and again, this is, this is the group that's going to stir the pot a little bit and make us think an awful lot. So they're from Jerusalem. They are Christians, okay? I want to emphasize that. I want us to understand. These are people who believe we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. They are people who say, you know what? It's Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection. They are Christians, but they are Jewish Christians, okay? It, it, they, they were Jewish. I mean, just like some of us have Rwandan background or... Uh, I think before that, someplace else. But some of us have Romanian background. Some of us have Dutch background. Some of us have German background, whatever. I mean, they were Jewish. It was part of their ethnic identity, okay? And so they were raised with that. And, and, and so they were Christians, but they were Jewish Christians. They, 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 and, and, and for them, and, and Paul's going to say, I think this is okay. It wasn't a contradiction. It wasn't a contradiction. They didn't need to deny their Jewish faith in order to be Christians, it fulfilled their Jewish faith. And, 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 and so what happened is they continued to follow the laws of Moses. They continued to go to the temple on the, the, the Sabbath day. They continued to go to the temple on the holy days, on those special days. They continued to eat the food. I mean, they looked at the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. It was their Bible. They looked at the Bible, and God says, this is what I want from you. This is how I want you to live. And they said, okay, this is how we live. Jesus forgives us. Jesus accepts us. But this is now how we live. We've got to follow the rules of Moses. And if we challenged them, they'd say, well, we're just doing what Jesus did. Friends, Jesus obeyed the laws of Moses. Tweaked them on occasion, at least people's interpretation of them. But Jesus followed the laws of Moses. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He ate the right kind of food. He avoided the wrong kind of food. He did those things. He went to the Passover. He celebrated. Jesus did all those things. They'd say, this is obviously what we're supposed to do. These are the rules. This is the way we follow God. And interestingly, they would say, not just like what Jesus did, but later in his life, he can point to what Paul did at times. You know, I, we don't, I don't always think about this, but, but let me tell you something really important. When Paul would go back to Jerusalem, he'd basically follow all the Jewish laws. He'd do the rituals. He would do the hand washing. He one time shaved his head as part of a process in the Jewish, to go into the Jewish temple. I mean, so Paul, when he went back to Jerusalem, when he was among the Jews, Paul, Paul followed all of these Jewish laws. Now, they especially focused on three things, okay? They especially focused on three things. They were the three things that happened again and again with Jesus that Jesus confronted and dealt with. And we'll talk about why these three in just a moment. But there were three things that they, that, that they focused on, that the Jewish people focused on. The first was circumcision. Every male had to be circumcised. The second were food laws, okay? They have very strict, and they're all in Leviticus and Exodus and, and Deuteronomy, all these laws about food. God's saying, don't eat this. No pork, no bacon, no shellfish. You may eat this. Oh, make sure you wash this way. Make sure that you, if you butcher an animal, butcher it this way. Take all the blood out. And, 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 and don't eat with people who are unplanned. I mean, these are biblical rules, right? This is the scripture for them, and they, they follow all the food laws, and they also follow the laws for special days. On the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath day, right? They, they were very strict about that. They were strict about days like Passover. They were strict about days like the Festival of Weeks. Although they, they continued to do that, okay? So they followed those laws. Now, again, one of the really interesting questions is, why these three? And, and this is important. It wasn't because they said these are the most important things. 
It was not because they as Jews or as Jewish Christians says this is what God most wants for us. What God cares most about is whether we're circumcised or not. What God cares most about is exactly what food. This is the heart of God. No, they knew that the heart of God was love and justice and mercy and all those things. And they believed that, okay? Why did these become so important? It's a very good reason that still we have to deal with today. They were what we would call identity markers for God's people. They were the way that you could tell who really belonged, who was really Jewish, who was really somebody who was a God-fearer, a God-follower. No, they weren't the center, but these were the things you could observe. These were the things you could see. And, and this is how they knew. That's why it became important, because this is how we know. I know I'm a good Jew because I was circumcised on the eighth day. I know I'm a good Jew because I follow these laws. And it was how they knew. And, and if you say that's crazy... So just externals. Any group like that is just crazy. Friends, every group through history has identity markers. Every group you're a part of has identity markers. Anybody in your family ever say, that's not the way we do that in our family? That's not the way we do that. We all have these things. Let me just give you some examples from current day, right? Okay, you see somebody who's dressed like this. Who are they? Amish, right? Somebody's doing this. Cheerleader, right? The way they dress, the way they smile, the way they have their hair, right? It all kind of goes into it. See somebody like this? San Francisco's that way, but I mean, it's a, it's a hippie, right? And it's not just the clothes and the flowers, it's the peace sign, right? I mean, it's, it's actions. It's all of this stuff. We know who this person is. And, and, and I think the hippies are so interesting because it was kind of like, oh, we just do whatever we want, man. It's free love. Everybody's free. Do whatever you want. If you would have, in the 60s, tried to show up to a group of hippies with short hair, I would have booted you in an instant. They had a dress code. They had identity markers. They had boundaries. Didn't trust people with short hair. <laughs> Because that was the man, that was the system. That's, and so we all have that, right? All right, this one could be a business one, but lawyer, right? You don't show up in court wearing your hippie skirt, and then, you know, your classic hipster, also known as a worship director. Uh, <laughs> you go to a worship, that's all you see when you go to a worship conference. Everybody's like, dude, yeah, you know, skinny jeans and all that. Anyway, I mean, it's, sorry, Steve. These were the identity markers for God's people, and we all have identity markers. You can think of what they are in your group. We're the people who, you know, we dress this way. We use these phrases. We do these things. We're the, we're the group uh, who, who don't go out to eat on Sunday. We're the group who don't attend R-rated movies. We're the, we're the group who don't cut our grass on Sunday. We're the group. We all have our identity markers, and we don't confuse them with being the center of everything. But they help us see who's in and who's not. And, and so this next step group, for good reason. I mean, it's what you and I would assume. They believed that these identity markers were still the identity markers for God's people. For a thousand years, they had been the identity markers for God's people. This is how you knew. God had said, circumcise. It was a command of God in the Old Testament, right? This is not their own made-up stuff. God had said, eat this, don't eat that. God had said, observe this day. Observe the Sabbath. Don't do any work on it. Don't make anybody else do any work on it. I mean, and they said, okay, this is what God wants. This is what God wants for us. This is how we're supposed to live. 
and, and that caused a problem for him. It was fine in Jerusalem because most of the Christians there did all this stuff. It was fine because we all were the same. We all had that same pattern, that same history. But they got really concerned about this mostly Gentile church that Paul had started up in Galatia. I mean, they were in Antioch. There were a number of Gentiles as well. But, but this is the first church sort of that's mostly Gentile by nature. And they were concerned uh, about them. And, 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 and here's what the problem was. Somehow they'd heard. Somehow they had heard that Paul had not told them about the laws of Moses. Somehow they got the word that Paul told them about Jesus. Probably Paul told them about Abraham. Because Abraham, we read, and this is what Jews believe, saved by faith, Right? Told him about Abraham, that he was saved by faith. And I said, we're saved by faith today, but faith in Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. Told him about Jesus, told him about Abraham. But when it came to Moses, Paul didn't mention anything. And they were concerned about that. And, 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 and so they wanted to make sure that these Christians understood what God expected of them. You felt that. I mean, if we got the City Fest thing coming up. One of the teams that's in place is to say, we've got to have follow-up. If some evangelist comes into Grand Rapids, does a one-night stand, and says, I converted 20,000 people, but uh, I told them they love Jesus, they love Jesus, and I left. We'd say, no, you can't do that. You've got to disciple them. You've got to teach them. There's more to the story. And we'd be right. That's kind of where they were. <laughs> that's kind of what was driving them. They wanted to say, hey, these people, Paul, I love him, but he's just scattered on this kind of stuff. He's so interested in conversion that he doesn't do good follow-up. He doesn't give them the full story. So they sent a group of folks up to Galatia. Okay, they sent a group of folks up to Galatia, and they explained to the Galatians that they were missing something. They came, and I don't know this for sure, but given Paul's letter, I have good reason to suggest that this is, because this is just, we still start this way today. You want to get a crowd? See, let me tell you what's missing in your life. You want to sell a book? Let me tell you the secret. I did a real quick Google search. I am not talking bad about these resources, but just wanted to show you some of the things that are still like this, the way the Galatians got there, right? I mean, the simple secret to a Christ-centered life. I don't know if it's a good book or a bad book, but I kind of want to know. If there's some secret I'm missing, if there's something I'm not doing, then I want to know about it. I mean, Gene Edwards, again, I don't know the book, but the secret of the Christian life. Joel Osteen has seven. It takes a little longer to get there, but it's, it's seven secrets of the, to a blessed life. And, 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 and you can go to seminars like this. I mean, the one thing you're missing in your Christian life. When somebody comes and says, I've got to tell you what you're missing, and imagine these Galatian Christians, or these, excuse me, the next, the, the, the final step Christians come up, to, um, come up to Galatia, and they say, you know what, is your life going as well as you thought? No. Anything Paul talk about, do you still feel that excited? No. Let me tell you what you're missing. There's one thing you're missing. We've got to fill you in on this. We've got to fill you in. And so the Galatians are all ears. Anybody tells you they have the secret to the next level of life, okay, what is it? Because most of us feel like there's just one thing we're missing. Most of us feel, and so they say, okay, here it is. Here it is. And, and, and they would have been clear. We are saved by Jesus. We agree with Paul 100%. But here's the deal. We need what Moses taught. You know, he talked about Abraham, but he forgot to tell you God also sent Moses. Abraham says, yeah, we're saved by faith and in circumcision, but then, but then Moses comes along and says, now this is how we live. And he never told you about Moses. He never told you about what was supposed to happen next. 
We got to tell you, this is what God expects. And it wasn't that the law saves us, but the law completes. The law completes the work of Jesus. It's the final step. That's why I want to call this group the final step group. It's the one thing you're missing. It's the one thing that, that you don't have quite right yet. And, and, and so we got to add in this final step. And, and I want to suggest that when the Galatians learned about this, when they told them about circumcision, when they told them about the food laws, when they told them about uh, the special days, I, th- I think the Galatians were probably excited. That's what we get from Paul's letter, that they were really excited about this. I mean, now they could be complete followers of Jesus. Now they knew what they were supposed to do. This grace stuff can get kind of squishy, right? This tells me my part. This gives it clear. This is what I have to do. Now I know my part. Now I know how I can belong. I wasn't sure we really belonged because we're so different from those Jewish people. But now we know how to belong. Now we know what to do. You've been to groups where you say, what is it going to take? In order for you to really belong in that church, what is it going to take? And, and, and so the Galatian Christians were just really excited. So those are the four main characters, all right? We've got Paul, we've got the Galatian Christians, we've got the Jerusalem church leaders, and we've got the final step group. So here's what I want to suggest we think about. Imagine this scenario, Okay. Imagine this in the Galatian Christians. They, they're excited. They know Jesus. And now they know a lot more about Moses. They know more about how they're supposed to live the Christian life. They're starting to do all these things. They're starting to practice all of these things. And so let's take a look at what they do. I want to suggest that they were, again, so very excited about this. And they want to share their excitement with Paul. And so just imagine with me, if you would, that they were to write Paul a letter. Don't know if this is how Paul found out about what was going on. But imagine, if you would, that they were write Paul a letter. Let me show you how I think it might go. From your Galatian children. All right, we are your kids. You led us to Jesus. Now, one thing just to notice here, in, in letters in that day, they did something smarter than we do. When you get a three-page letter, what's the first thing you do? You go to the last page to see who wrote it. They're smart. They started with that. Okay, that's, that, this is from us. This is who it's from, from the Galatian Christians, from your Galatian children. To Paul, who led us to Jesus, greetings. We thank God for you and hope you're doing well. We're so thankful for what you've taught us about Jesus. We wanted you to know that we've been growing by leaps and bounds. We are so excited. We had some teachers come to us from Jerusalem. They said they were sent by the originals. It wasn't the originals, Peter, James, and John, themse- uh, John and James themselves, but it was, they were sent by the originals. Guys who had been with Jesus from the beginning, real apostles. They cared about us, and they sent this group to come and talk to us. These teachers were amazing. They taught us about Moses and about what God wants from his people. They taught us about circumcision and about food laws and about honoring certain days. They taught us how these things help us to know that we belong to God and to his people. So Paul, we're learning. We don't eat meat. We don't eat meat from the pagan temple anymore. Who knew that that was wrong? And we decided giving up bacon is a small price to pay for our holiness. And, And we're a bit more discriminating in who we share meals with. After all, God has clear standards for that. And, and, and I can image Paul being so excited about all of this. That, that, that he, you know we love you, Paul. A little bit of a challenge here. But we have to confess that we're wondering why he didn't tell us this stuff. 
seems really important. And after all, we don't want to be just partway Christians. Did you just not have time to teach us these things? Assuming somebody else was going to come? Were you afraid that if you told us that the, the law, about the law, that we wouldn't want to become Christians? Was it kind of saying that we're going to start with kind of halfway and then and introduce this later after we met Jesus? Is that what it was? You can I just be afraid of we might get angry about you, about what you're saying? We know these laws cause for, call for a deep commitment, but after what Jesus did for us, we are do, excited to do everything expected of us. Okay. If we're honest, we're not too excited about circumcision, but Jesus did die for us. So, I mean, seriously, right? We don't want to tell you what to do. But please, make sure you tell people the full gospel story. Again, we love you. And we'll never forget that you were the first one to tell us about Jesus. We look forward to seeing you soon. Send our greetings to the brothers and sisters in Antioch. So they roll up their letter and they send it off to Paul, and Paul gets it. Paul reads his letter. I would imagine when he first saw he got mail from the uh, Galatian Christians, he was all excited. By the time he's done, he is not excited a bit. In fact, I want to suggest that perhaps Paul just took that letter and ripped it up, and he was hopping mad. Yeah. Why? Why? And here we kind of get into the themes. See, Paul sees four problems, four big problems about these final step teachers. What these people came, the Moses completes us group, these final step teachers with what they said. It sounds so good, and it's rooted in Scripture, but Paul says it's not right. It's not right. And there are four things, at least, that Paul is going to have us focused on for the next several weeks and a couple of months, in fact. First of all, he says, at the end of the day, they're saying that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. They're adding something to Jesus. They're saying you've got to have Jesus plus the laws of Moses. They're got to, saying you got to, in order to be accepted by God, you've got to have Jesus plus this. Jesus plus becoming Jewish. Jesus plus becoming Dutch. Jesus plus becoming Western. Jesus plus becoming Whatever it is. And Paul's going to say to us, no, it is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we don't add anything to Jesus. You don't have to add more to Jesus to get accepted by God. You don't have to add more to Jesus to get accepted in the church. And if we're doing anything else, friends, we need to look at our hearts deeply. Second, they're dividing the church. I I mean, some of the Gentiles were like, sure, let's do this. But some of them were like, dude, no way. It's not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to become Jewish. I signed up to be a Christ follower. I'm not doing that, and it caused great division in the church. He's going to talk to us about oneness and unity in the body. Really important, they're ignoring the Holy Spirit. They're ignoring the Holy Spirit. They're acting as if they can do this on their own. Yep, Jesus died for us, and now we complete everything by following the law. And that's why this letter just sings with the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about it, to say, okay, we don't live by the rules, we live by the Spirit. What does that mean? How does that work? And they're taking away the freedom of the Galatians. So Paul is ticked. He's really angry about this. So he decides to write his own letter. Now we get to Galatians. All right. Paul says this. Paul, and you can get his tone early on, an apostle an apostle, okay, a real one, okay? 
It ain't just those guys in Jerusalem who've met Jesus. It's not just those guys in Jerusalem who were sent. I am an apostle. An apostle means a sent one, and I'm sent. But let me tell you something. I am sent not by man, not from men, nor by a man. But I'm an apostle. You know where I got my commission from? You want to talk about whether I know my stuff? You want to talk about whether I knew the whole story? Let me tell you, I'm an apostle sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul's laying down some stuff here saying, look, I know what I'm talking about. You can trust me. I'm not a Johnny come lately to this game. And I'm not playing games with the gospel with you. I'm giving you the straight story. I am an apostle sent by God himself. It's not just me, it's all the brothers and sisters with me here in Antioch to the churches in Galatia. So, four themes real quick. Just mention these. But these are going to be, and these are going to be some of the classic verses. Some of you know some of these verses from Galatians. The cross is enough. Don't let anyone add anything else to the cross. Galatians 6, 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Might be a good one to memorize. May I never boast except in the cross of Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's the cross, it's the cross, it's the cross. We are one in Christ. Don't let anyone divide us. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Big words, big theme. We are one in Christ. Don't let anyone divide us. We follow Jesus by looking to the Spirit. Don't try to follow the law. Don't try to follow Jesus on your own strength. Galatians 5, 16, 18, 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's the Spirit. So we've got to think about what does that mean for us? How do we follow the Spirit? We follow the... Uh, so again, cross is enough. One in Christ. We, we follow Jesus by looking to the Spirit. And then Jesus sets us free. Don't let anybody take away your freedom. Wonderful five, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul's passionate. Paul cares deeply. Four things. We're going to start the next few weeks. are going to be on the crosses enough. He's going to get into that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to think about what that means and how, how we live by the cross alone. Back to the letter, and we're almost done. Paul, an apostle, sent not from man nor by a man, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, oh, you idiots. No. This is Paul. And, and, and you've got to remember, he's angry. He's ticked. He just tore up their letter. But you know what he says to them first? Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. That's what Paul's passionate about. He's not angry because they're not listening to him nearly as much as he's angry because they're missing grace and peace. He's not angry because they're trying to work hard on these things. He's angry because they're missing grace and peace. And what Paul wants for them and what Paul wants for us, friends, is grace and peace. That's why this letter is so important. Grace and peace. And peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And, and so for this morning, 
we covered a lot of turf, and we'll come back, and all this is going to be unpacked in weeks to come. And I, I want to invite you, really, if you can't make it, I, I think it's going to be really fun to see how does Paul handle this, and, and how do we do What do we do with the rules in the Christian life? Where do they fit in? Because, come on, there are rules. I mean, what do we do with all this stuff? How do we live? So come on back, join us if you can't make it live stream. But today, as you leave from here, know this, grace and peace to you. It's Paul's prayer, it's my prayer, that you will know that in Christ we have been set free. Let's pray together. Father, we sometimes get so caught up in feeling like there's stuff we have to do to make you love us. And it feels good when we can point to it and say, I know I'm good because I did X, Y, Z. I did this, that, and the other thing. Father, teach us to live in grace, but teach us also to live by the Spirit. Because if we do that, we'll learn to love. And, and, and we will follow the law because we will love you and love our neighbors. So now, bring us your grace and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.